Hey, 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 hey,
Um, one scene in particular reminded me of the original show through and through. Um, so there, I, again, I don't want to spoil this, but I'm probably going to, so I'm going to put a little bit of a spoiler warning just for this scene alone. Um, so there is a scene where Richter goes into a pub and he wants to get a drink, right? And that immediately reminded me of the original show just because of how it started for, like, when we actually meet the main character. It reminds me of how the show started in the original Castlevania. And I went, oh, yeah, that's that reminds me of this. Also, this isn't the... They're, just referencing, for those that are curious what games they're pulling characters and stuff from, they're pulling it from Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night. Not only that, but they are referencing the events of Harmony of Dissidents. Because Juiced Belmont does make an appearance. In that same scene, Juiced actually takes the vam Like, later on in that scene, Juiced takes the uh, vampire killer whip and fights a vampire. And he says, this, this whip's a lot heavier than I remember. I thought it would have been uh, Alucard for some reason, but I also just kind of went, no, no, can't be. And I sat and thought about it for a minute. Like, I should know that character. He said the whip was heavy, so he must he must be a Belmont. Um, it turns out it was juiced. And I heard that, I, I lost my shit. Because I'm playing through Harmony of Dissidents as we speak. And knowing that they're not just pulling from, like... And the original Castlevania did that, too. They pulled from the two games that were close to each other. Or the material that would have fit the timeline. They didn't do a reference to Lament of Innocence in the original Castlevania. They said... And people are like, well, how? They had a picture of Leon Belmont. They actually talked about Leon Belmont and part of his journey. They did not talk about how... It's it's funny because I talk about the the events that happened in the games and the events that happened in the show. And they're two completely different beasts, but it's interesting to see what details they pull, what details they don't. Um, Obviously, they're going to pull the characters. They're going to do liberties in the story just so it makes sense. Um, they actually said, like, they talked about the events of Harmony as well later on in the, I think in either in that episode or think it might actually be the next one. And I remember going, ah, that's, I don't think that's how that played out. But, um, it, it is what it is, you know, uh, I also need to remember that it's an all. I, I will say it's basically an alternate universe or something like that. That's meant to. It, it's it's a show, so there might be details that they add in. It's interesting to see what they add in, though. Um, I like that little nod to harmony a lot. Like that's probably one of my favorite modern Castlevania games. Outside of Lords of Shadow. That's actually a really fun game. Um, And that was the one thing that I actually sat and thought about was. 
after I finished watching the show, what if those details actually did happen and the game just doesn't mention it because the game doesn't need to? Because, well, at least uh, for, like, what happens after, because we all know what happens during the games. What happens after the games, really? Like, uh, the only... The only game that kind of gives us a glimpse into, or the only piece of material that gives us a glimpse into what happens, like, between games would be when they talk about Dracula's actual defeat in the Castlevania timeline in the year 1999, uh, prior to Aria of Sorrow. Honestly... I think the only in-game reference to what happens after the game would be Castlevania 3. Um, as far as I know, I haven't played through Castlevania 1, Super Castlevania 4, Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. I, well, I haven't beat them, but I am playing through two of the three that I just mentioned. Um, but yes, uh, back to the show. It's very well animated as well, on top of like the, the nods and the references, keeping to the source material while adding their own spin, which, again, is really cool. Um, I'm not going to try and spoil the big story parts, because guys should just go watch the show. Formulate your own opinion. Um, honestly, there there is something I wanted to see, like... I actually kind of had a a thought. What if they actually took the events of Lament of Innocence and made it into a TV show or a movie? That'd be really cool. Um, which, but eh, I got sidetracked again. Um, no, the the cast of characters for this show keep, actually, they have all the, the characters from Rondo and Alucard's are a reference to Symphony as well. Um, and people said, what do you mean? They're pulling from both, just because of who's in the show. And it's really interesting to see all these characters work together for a common goal. And I'm quite curious what they're going to do with the Messiah in Season 2. Um, the way it ended, there will be a season two. I'm certain of that, and I'm excited to see what they do with it. Um, season one was a lot of world building with a lot of story progression, whereas in the original Castlevania, your story didn't kick off until, I think, the last episode of the first season... And even then, as soon as the story kicked off, it was like, oh, no, we're done. We're not, we're not doing, we don't have more episodes for you to watch. Which kind of makes me sad, because I know it's going to be about a year before we get a second season. Which is kind of, like, I can wait, but I'm also like, dang it! Um, one of my biggest concerns was the doing the four four episode first season just for world building. I was kind of glad they didn't do that. 
because then it would have been, oh, it was just world building, nothing special. Um, but I like how they just incorporated the times or the political atmosphere of France at the time between 1782 and 1797 into their show. Uh, making the aristocracy vampires and all that fun stuff. Um, that was actually an interesting take. Um, I don't remember if I've already mentioned it, but the abbot is a devil format forge master who works for the Messiah or who ends up working for the Messiah. And Oh boy. I just kind of thought that was interesting. Just how everything was done in the first show. Uh, yes, the church was corrupt, but they would not work with vampires or heretics. I don't know. I don't know, man. It, it's it's interesting to see that, and I kind of am like, I'm curious to see how long they'll push that angle for. You know, I feel like they won't, I, I feel like the abbot is going to eventually turn on the messiah. That's just my opinion. Um, they haven't laid seeds for it yet. As far as I'm aware. If they have, it's been very subtle. I can pinpoint one exact time they probably laid the seeds for it. And that's at the end of the season. Um, funny enough how they did their world building for Annette and the... I, I'm just going to call him the opera singer because I don't know how to pronounce his name. I, the opera singer and Annette had their own episode. It was more kind of world building for Annette at first, and then it transitioned to both of them, which was kind of interesting. And it wasn't the whole episode. It was just part of one, um, if I remember correctly. But it was still really cool to see what they did with those characters and uh, to see... Unfortunately, the opera singer became a night creature, which is actually probably one of the uh, sadder parts of the series because, well, it's not the saddest part, but it's definitely kind of a somber moment because... Uh, you can see Annette kind of panic and get scared. Hold on, I gotta sign into my computer. And she would do anything to save the, the guy. Because it's family. It tends to be sad when family gets hurt. Um, the saddest moment is actually at the end of the first season when... Spoiler moment. 
The Messiah wants to turn Maria into a vampire, but Tara says, no, take me. Leave her, leave her alone. And, uh, the abbot, well, I guess for people to become vampires in Castlevania, it has to be someone that the person loves, I guess. I don't know. Oh, maybe that was a, like, it's a loyalty type of thing. I don't know. Um, but yes, Tara gets turned and it's actually very kind of heart wrenching. Just because it's like, oh, the character, because I know how this is going to end and I just, um, I know how the first episode is probably going to start at the second season. What happened to my mother? Well, she got turned into a vampire and sadness ensues, you know. But the the Messiah in their true form is unstoppable right now, as it looks. I didn't mean to spoil the end of the show, but yes, Tara gets turned. And that is the very last thing that we, or one of the very last things that we see. And I actually tried talking about this part yesterday, and I thought about my own life. Which, I need to just... Leave it alone. What's in the past is in the past. You know, when mom died, it was one of those things. But, damn it. See, I could relate to that scene because I lost a parent. I literally just mentioned how my mother has passed away. Uh, But, like I said, it's in the past. I need to move on. I love my mother very much, but that was not the time to get sad. Um, it's still overall a good show. They did set up a lot for season two. Um, Alucard does come back, as I've mentioned. Um, but I'm curious to see if they'll find a way to save Tara or if they have to fight her and, uh, you know, defeat her. Uh But yeah, it's one of those, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But with that being said, we're going to call it an episode here, ladies and gentlemen. I will see you later. Bye-bye!